Welcome. We are very glad that you are here and are ready to uh, spend time in the Word with us. We are going to begin by singing a few songs uh, that will uh, guide our thoughts. <clears throat> and the first song we're going to sing is Where He Leans, I'll Follow. Sweet is the tender
we're going to go to God in prayer at this time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to come together and meet together again this afternoon to worship you. And dear Lord, as, as we enter into this worship, we pray that we focus our hearts and our minds on you and worshiping you. And dear Lord, we pray that you will be with Tim as he brings a lesson tonight and leads the study in your word. Dear Lord, we pray that we will take this lesson, take your words, and, and that we will not only read and hear, but we will live them as well in our daily lives. As we go back uh, into the community, to our jobs, to our schools, dear Lord, we pray that that your light will be shown through us to the world. And we pray that we will use the talents and the abilities that you have blessed all of us with uh, to further the church and to further your kingdom, dear Lord. We continue to pray that there will be peace found in the world, especially in the areas that, that are now in war and brothers and sisters in Christ that, that are in the center of that, dear Lord. And we all face problems here, violence, corruption uh, in the world. And dear Lord, we're so thankful that we have an assurance through your son that, that there are things far greater after this life, dear Lord. We have many among us who are sick. You know their names and their ailments, and we pray that you will just be with them to quicken their healing so that they can return to us. We pray that you be with their family and also with the phys physicians that are caring for them, dear Lord. We know that we serve a faithful God and it is our desire to obey you, dear Lord, but you know that, that we are not perfect and that we are sinners and we all struggle with temptation. And dear Lord, when we succumb to that temptation, we're so thankful for your son, for his life, the example that he showed us his sacrifice and his resurrection, that, that we can be forgiven from those sins, dear Lord. Go with us as we go back out into the community. Please keep us safe. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. On this particular song, I will be singing with the ladies. So bear that in mind. I'm not trying to confuse you. You are my strength when I am weak. You are
After this song, we will um, have our scripture reading, and then Tim is going to bring a message from God to us. My Jesus knows There is no Bible story time this evening. I was supposed to announce that, so 
No Bible story time this evening. Uh, The scripture reading this evening comes from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Good evening. What an exciting time to be a part of a part of Central. A lot of neat things going on as we enter the the springtime. Last weekend we finished the opening uh, High Rock Bible Camp for the first time in almost three years. We had about fifty campers there. Um, we had five from here at Central. Um, we had a great weekend. Uh, we have the college group that's. Wrapping up right now, um, they'll be taking their finals this week. Uh, we'll be seeing fewer and fewer of them each day as they return home, and we'll miss them. Uh, but we know they'll be back in, in a few months. And in just a few months, actually, before school even starts back up, we have our mission trip to Panama. And as we were sitting there singing a song, the uh, Gilberto Blandford, the preacher at Valerisco, in uh, Bocas del Toro, in the Bocas del Toro region of, of Panama, in the middle of a, a rainforest. Uh, he sent me a, a text telling me that they had worship this morning in Valerisco, and then him and several of the young men went and led worship in one of the neighboring villages where they're planning a church right now. And um, lots of exciting things going on, and, and uh, so grateful and blessed that we're part of a congregation that is that's involved in doing things we've got more things coming up i know there's a lot of activities going on for the youth this summer Uh, of course we have high rock happening this summer too so lots of ways to to be involved and get involved and as uh, school lets out and everyone has just a little more time in their schedules i'm sure we'll find ways that we can fill that time have you ever been guilty of pushing the jerk button do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what the jerk button is? The, the jerk button is the little button on your phone that pops up when you get an incoming call. And if you weren't for sure, jerk is spelled D-E-C-L-I-N-E. Decline. <laughs> and, uh, and you know it's actually the jerk button because decline is the politest way that phone manufacturers could say uh, they, they just couldn't write on there, hang up, or uh, not interested, or leave me alone. They, <laughs> they had to put decline, and decline is still pretty rough language, isn't it? Uh, you would never do that in, in real life, right? Somebody, hey, hey, Tim, how's it going? Decline. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> uh, it'd be pretty rude. We're being a little silly. Uh, There are times when you need to decline a call. I I realize that. And you're not a jerk for for pushing that button when you need to decline a call. But the point I'm getting at is there are some calls that we really don't want to answer, aren't there? A lot of you are like me and remember a time when you didn't know who was on the other line until you picked up the phone. It uh, It was like a game of roulette. You know, who could it be? Is it... Is it going to be good news? Is it going to be bad news? But now we, we can see who's calling us and we make decisions a lot of times based on 
whose number that is. And there's a lot of times that we get calls that we would rather not answer. It's your day off, and you look down, and it's your boss calling. And you know it must mean that someone called in sick, and they need you to cover a shift. And you don't want to answer that call. Or, or maybe uh, you were like me when you were a teenager. Maybe you were out past curfew just a, by two or three minutes. And you get that phone call from your mom, and you'd better answer that call because if you don't, she's going to call the police, you know. Um, there's a lot of calls that we would rather not answer. How about a telemarketer? When a telemarketer calls, you can tell it's a telemarketer. And isn't it great now that, that our phones will tell us potential spam so we can know. I'm not going to answer that call. I don't, I don't think I'd like to, to answer that call. On uh, April Fool's Day, Evie took Amanda's phone and changed Evie's number and Amanda's phone to, um, what did she call it? Uh, I had to, oh, unknown hacker was what she, so when Evie's phone called Amanda, it said unknown hacker. And uh, she called Amanda over and over. And we were uh, a little concerned at the level of intelligence that it would take to be an unknown hacker, but then also identify yourself as an unknown hacker when you called people. Um, we didn't answer that call. Maybe it's a bill collector that you don't want to talk to. If you just ignore that call, it'll, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it's a former boyfriend or girlfriend that you don't want to talk to. If, if I ignore them, maybe they'll just go away. Maybe it's your boss calling to check on that project that you're behind on at work. There's plenty of reasons that calls go unanswered. 2019 there was a study that showed just how many calls go unanswered. In fact, 91% of those calls that are labeled potential spam, 91% of those calls go unanswered. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it wasn't higher than 91%. There's, I guess, 9% of lonely people who were ready to talk to a telemarketer. Um, but here's the ones that, that really surprised me. 76% of uh, of the time, if you don't recognize the number, 76% of those calls go unanswered. And then 30% of calls that you recognize, numbers that you have saved in your phone, 30% of the time, those calls go unanswered or declined. There's a lot of calls that go unanswered. Now, can you imagine declining a call that turned out to be really important? I'm sure we've probably all done that before. We declined a call and later found out, man... I really should have answered that call. Um, maybe the radio station was calling to inform you that you were the big winner. You won the grand prize. And because you didn't recognize the number and answer that call, they called someone else and gave them the prize. Or, or maybe there was a job offer and you didn't answer the call. And after a while of calling, they just called somebody else and offered it to someone else. Or, or maybe it was your big crush calling you to finally ask you on a date and you decline the call. There's, there's so many things that we, can, that, that, that we would pass on. And I wonder how many of those 48% of all calls that get declined, I wonder how many of those calls could have been truly life-changing. Sadly, in our world today, there is a call that goes unanswered far greater than 48% of the time. 
In fact, like a bunch of selfish jerks, many in our world have declined the most important and life-changing call of all time. Josh read for us Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is standing there knocking and too many times that call is not answered. We say, I'm on another call right now. Uh, I'm on a more important call. I'll, I'll get back to you later. Uh, I, I'm on a call that's maybe a little more fun. I, I'm doing something that's better for me right now, Jesus. I don't have time to hear what you have to say. And Jesus continues to knock and he continues to call. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That offer... That amazing offer, the offer we have to dine and commune with the Son of God, gets declined. Tonight I want to talk about answering that call. How we answer that call, but, but first before we talk about how we answer it, I think we have to look at how God calls us. I think that's probably a, a very confusing thing for some people in the world of, of how God calls us. Um, in, in fact, when, when I was in high school, I went to a, a private school that was sponsored by a, a denomination, and uh, there were some really good, honest, moral people there, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to disparage anyone with what I'm about to say, but when I was a senior in high school, I remember the incredible amount of pressure that was put on me and my classmates as a senior to to hear God's call and to know what God's call was for our life and what we were supposed to do with that. And uh, we, there were classmates um, that, that said they, they got the call. And one of our classmates said he was called to be a minister. And another classmate, I remember, said she was called to be a nurse. But I also remember some very honest classmates who were sick and in some major depression because they didn't get called. Because they didn't receive this supernatural call like some of the other classmates felt like they were getting. And they wondered, well, what's wrong with me? Did I not pray enough? Am I not good enough? Does God not love me like he loves others? Why would God not put this on my heart and just tell me what I need to do? That's very tough for a 17, 18 year old. Very confusing time in their life anyway. And, and sometimes a 17, 18-year-old 18 18 doesn't know what they want to do. And man, it would be great if somebody could just say, this is, this is your path. Here's what you're going to do. You are going to be a doctor, a salesman, a, a, a truck repairman, whatever it is. This is what you're going to do. And how many 17 and 18-year-olds really know? I mean, I, I was going to be 25 different things uh, before I decided that my career would be a part-time minister and, uh, and salesperson. Um, there was all these kids that, that had this, this weight on them because they couldn't hear a call. But is that how God calls us? Are we supposed to patiently wait for God to magically bestow this 
message that may be different from someone else's message on our, on our heart and on our mind? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So, uh, so, so what the Hebrew writer is telling us is, is here is how God calls us. Here's how God communicates. Back in the Old Testament, back in, in, in uh, long ago and at many times in many ways, God would speak to prophets and patriarchs. And we're well aware of some of those stories. We know the story of God going to, uh, going to Noah and saying, Noah, I need you to build an ark in these specific, uh, to these specifications. I need you to take your family on it. I need you to take two of every kind of animal on it. God spoke to Noah directly. God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I need you to move. I need you to go somewhere else, someplace you don't know. By the way, Abraham, in your old age, you're going to have a son. Later, he would tell Abraham, I need you to take that son and I need you to sacrifice him. He talked to Abraham directly, telling him these things. We know how God spoke to the prophets and the prophets would give information to the people. We'll talk about this more in a second, but what a scene in 1 Samuel chapter 3 where God calls the boy Samuel directly. And speaks to him. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks the word to the people. And it was not a popular word. And it wasn't a word that people took on immediately. In fact, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says over and over again, You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. On many different things. Jesus was coming in to fulfill the law and the prophets. To make it whole. And, he, and, and Jesus spoke directly to the people. And now, today, we have those words written down for us. Consider this in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. And, and we'll move around in, in Revelation just briefly. In Revelation chapter 1, John is, is on the island of Patmos... And he is receiving this vision, uh, and, he, and he's writing down what he sees. In fact, in verse 10 of chapter 1, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and Thyatira, to, to Sardis, and Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And so, uh, this vision... That, that's been given to John. This is Jesus. This is the vision of the risen Christ speaking to John directly. And John is told, write what you see in a book. And so John does. And there are seven letters sent to the seven churches in Asia. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, it says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. And so John did. He wrote to the, to the angel of the church at Ephesus. And he wrote to, to all seven of these churches. And we don't have to get into each one of their letters and hear what they had to say. But I think it is interesting how he ends each letter. If you drop down to verse 7 in Revelation chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now if your Bible's like mine, those words are in red. Because that's Jesus speaking those words. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How were the churches, how were they supposed to hear that call directly from Jesus? Through the written word. How are we supposed to to hear God's call today? How does God the Spirit communicate to us today? He does it through the written word. And And that makes a lot of sense for me. Because sometimes I, I'm not sure. I, and I think about these friends from high school who agonized as to why God wasn't telling them exactly what they needed to do. Um, to, to go be a teacher or, or a doctor like some of my classmates were, were called to be. Why wasn't I called to do that? I think about classmates of mine that later left their faith because their calling didn't work out. Well, I'm, I'm called to be a doctor, but then I really, I didn't like it. And so because my calling wasn't right, I left the faith because that, that couldn't have made sense. I was called to, to marry this girl and that didn't work out. So I left my faith because why would God call me to, to marry someone that wasn't going to work out? If it doesn't come from the word, it can't be a calling from God. It might have been a good thing, an honorable thing, a thing that you can use to glorify God. But if it didn't come from the word, it wasn't a calling from God. Uh, my, my brother is a, is a doctor today. Um, I, I, he wasn't called from God to be a doctor. I think he's called from God to be a Christian doctor to be a Christian in whatever it is he does. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was his father-in-law who called him to be a doctor. He said, you can marry my daughter if you become a doctor. Uh, (laughs) But if it doesn't come from the word, it's not a calling. I love how throughout the scripture, followers of, of Christ, followers of God, are depicted as sheep. To the world today, to many in the world today, that's an insult. Don't call me a sheep. I'm not a sheep. In fact, they use, they use sheep to, 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 call people who, uh, to, to call people who don't think for themselves, right? You're, you're just a sheep. Don't be a sheep. I love that we're sheep. I, I love that, that we can be a sheep because in the world that we live in today, for a Christian, that's a profound comfort. Knowing that I have a shepherd. Knowing that I have a guide. And I have a direction. And I have a calling. And a big reason... That people don't like being called sheep is that sheep aren't very smart. Uh, and I can really relate in that way to a sheep. Because I'm, I'm not as smart. And, and you know what? Let me tell you a big secret. Humans in general, all of us, uh, especially folks in the world, we're not as smart as we think we are. Well, we think we're pretty smart. Some of us are pretty smart. Most of us aren't as smart as we think we are. I, I fall short of that so many times. And it makes me think about Jeremiah 10.23. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. I make a lot of mistakes. I make so many mistakes in life, and I'm not just talking about the sinful ones. I mean, I make some dumb mistakes that aren't necessarily sinful, just dim with it. And I'm so glad that it is not in myself to direct my own steps. Because I could really get myself in trouble if I didn't have a shepherd. I mean, the the mistakes I make on my own just in everyday life. Think about if it was up to me to decide how to reach my own salvation. 
if it was up to me to, to understand how I'm supposed to worship and how I'm supposed to be pleasing to God, I would, knowing what I've done just in my house and the, the money I've cost myself by trying to be a repairman, I, I'd be in pretty bad shape. But it's not my job to direct my own steps. If I was relying on doing what I felt deep within my heart to direct my past or, or how he was calling me to, to do these things when it comes to worship and salvation, I can make some big errors. I appreciate Steve uh, for leading the song, Open My Heart. We, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but what a great, what a great song to, to, that, that discusses this point. My feelings toss me to and fro. My feelings make it so unclear. My feelings get the best of me. We can't trust our feelings, can we? Feelings are fickle. Feelings can make us do and say some weird things sometimes. And if we're trusting a feeling, we can get pretty lost. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its way leads to death. God directs our paths through the written word. He calls us through his written word. And that calling through the written word requires a certain amount of effort on our part to both read and hear. We've all seen movies of, of how excited soldiers are when they uh, are away at war and how excited they are to get letters from home. Uh, maybe you've had the opportunity to talk to a veteran about the joy that letters from home brought them, or maybe you've uh, been able to correspond with a veteran, or, or maybe you are a veteran and, and you experience that joy. Can you imagine a soldier during mail call, he hears his name, hears his name and he grabs the envelope. It's a pastel colored envelope. There's a hint of perfume on it. Beautiful handwriting. The return address is, is his girl, his girl that's waiting on him back home. And he just looks at that envelope and man, that's, that's special. And there's other soldiers gather around him. They say, hey man, what's your letter say? And he says, I don't know. And they say, well, did you, did you read it? And he said, no, I don't, I don't need to read it. I don't need to read that letter. Why don't you need to read the letter? I already know in my heart. I already know in my heart what she wants from me and how she feels about me. I don't need that letter to tell me anything new. That's ridiculous. We know that that soldier, and any soldier, if, if you don't know, ask a soldier, they will tell you that that letter gets read and reread and reread over and over again. And that letter goes in his helmet or in his, in his jacket. When he's alone on the field, he reads that letter several times. He has it memorized. And even though he knows every single word on it, he's reading it again and again and again because those are the words of his love. And they mean everything to him. And if we're devoted to following Christ, and if we are going to be the bride of Christ, then we are going to focus on his words, on his written words. And we're going to devote them to our memory, and we're going to know them, and we're going to hold them close. And when we are in battle, we're going to look at those words and find comfort and joy and peace in those words. Those words will direct us. God calls us through his words, but we have to listen to those words. So when God calls us, what do we do? What do we do when God calls us? Well, there's, there's several examples 
in the Bible of, of people who were called and how they answered when they were called. We talked about Samuel earlier. Uh, Samuel obviously didn't have the word like we do today. Uh, this was during a time that we read about in, in Hebrews 11 when God spoke to the patriarchs and prophets. But while the mode of communication was different, I think we can still learn from Samuel's reaction. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, of course in 1 Samuel we, we know that Eli had wicked sons. And we know that, that Samuel was the son of Hannah and she gave him to Eli to be raised in the temple. And so one night Samuel's laying there and he hears his name and he gets up and he thinks Eli's calling him and Eli said, no, I didn't call you. So finally in, in verse 10, at the instruction of Eli, we read this. It says, the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. What a courageous way to answer God's call. In fact, let me present this challenge to you. That this week, just before you open your Bible to study from it, say that prayer. Lord, speak for your servant hears. What a beautiful way to, to, to approach Bible study. And it wasn't just that Samuel heard that call, but Samuel boldly executed what God asked him to do during the call. He, he had to tell Eli some pretty bad news about his family. Too many people are ready to hear, but we lack the boldness to execute sometimes. Jonah heard the call, and Jonah hit decline, didn't he? Jonah smashed that decline button. He didn't want to deliver bad news. The, the people of Nineveh might kill him. They, they wouldn't like him. They might cancel him. Being a Christian and living in the world today means taking on some unpopular stances. And I'm not saying that we go out and we take on stances just to, just to be rude or just to be mean to people. But man, sometimes these things are thrown in our face and put in our backyard. And we have to make a choice. Where do we stand on some of these issues? Who are we going to be? Jesus didn't have a problem making those stands. Uh, he, he said, you know, you have heard that it was said in the Sermon on the Mount over and over again. I mean, what's he say on something like divorce? That's, that's unpopular for us to talk about, isn't it? Jesus said, if, if you divorce for any other reason other than adultery... And marry another, that you're committing adultery. And the person who marries that guilty part, they're also committing adultery. Tim, what, what are you doing? Why are you, talking, why, why are you talking about this right now? And I can imagine some people, you know, and, and maybe some people will talk to me afterwards. I, I want to talk to you about, about what you said in that. It's not what I said. It's what Jesus said. It's an unpopular opinion. That's my point. <laughs> it's not popular to talk about that. So sometimes we don't. We talk about how, how uh, you know, a man and a man cannot be united in marriage in the sight of God. And, we, and, we, and, and that's unpopular in the world. It's not as unpopular, I guess, in the bounds of the building. But, you know, we talk about the, the sanctity of the home, the sanctity of marriage, and, and how that's ruining that. Well, folks, man, Jesus talked about divorce ruining it a long time before this started entering into our courts. Homosexuality. Being a Christian 
means that sometimes we have to make those unpopular stances like Jonah was afraid to make, but like Samuel had the, cur- the courage to make. And so we have to make a choice. Are we going to be a Jonah and decline those calls? Or are we going to be a Samuel and say, boldly say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. Jesus called the apostles. They left their lives to follow him. Mark chapter 1 Verse 16, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed them, followed him. They left their father in the boat. This was the most important call they had ever received. And they answered the call and they followed because they took the call seriously. And some people don't take that call from God seriously at all. It's not important. Think about someone like Sarah back in the Old Testament, the wife of Abraham she heard the call and what did she do? She, she laughed. She laughed because what the word of the Lord was proclaiming seemed like foolishness to her. I can't have a child at my age. Isn't it a good thing for Sarah that it was not for her to direct her own steps? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. There's a lot of people in our world that say Christianity is foolishness. The message of the cross is actually one of hatred. The the, the call of the gospel is a waste of time. There's people who laugh at the Son of God. Jesus is used to being laughed at. Matthew 27, 28, they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Twisted together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand, kneeling before him. They mocked him, saying... Hail, King of the Jews. And as much as that hurts us to read that, I wonder how much it hurts the the mocking that goes on in the media of Jesus today. Jesus stands at the door knocking. Many in the world stand on the other side and laugh. Not realizing the power on the other side of that door, the power that can give them all the things that their heart truly desires. And it can be fed into, right? When we make fun of spiritual things, when we watch programs that belittle Christ or God the Father, when we use the most precious and holy name that gives us life, when we use that name in vain. Some people are like, man, are you really preaching a sermon about using the Lord's name in vain? Isn't that kind of a small thing? Man, I'll tell you what, that's a precious name to me. It's a really precious name. Why would we do it? Is it, is it funny? Is it that we, we don't trust in his abilities? The apostles heard the call. They took it seriously. They followed. Sarah heard the call and she laughed. Let's not be like Sarah. And we could go on. Um, King Saul, he heard the call, but he didn't trust it. He, he tried doing things his own way and he failed miserably. There is a way that seems right in the man, right? Uh, Saul the Pharisee, now he does, the, he does the opposite. He became Paul the Apostle. He heard the call and he immediately had his sins washed away. He changed his entire life. 
Agrippa, he heard the call and he was what? Almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. Belshazzar heard the call, but it was a little too late, wasn't it? The handwriting was already literally on the wall. So Jesus is calling and the question is, what do we do with that call? This morning, Tim referenced Luke chapter 15, talking about the parable of the lost son. And while the father wasn't physically out, actively calling for his son, I think it's safe to assume that the words and principles that he had instilled in his son from a young age were calling to the son. As he sat there in the pig slop, Come home, son. The son knew he was lost. And though he hadn't spoken to his father in some time, he knew enough to know he needed to answer the call of old and come home. Earlier in Luke 15, there's a a woman who lost a precious coin. She scours everywhere to find it. Uh, Unlike the father in the previous story, she's actively looking, but she isn't calling because the, the coin... The coin wouldn't really understand the message, would it? But she's looking. But the first story we have there in Luke 15, the picture of the shepherd. He's looking and he's calling for the lost sheep. We talked about sheep a little earlier. Not the brightest, not the smartest, a lot like me. I'm not that bright. And like all of us, sometimes we make some dumb mistakes Because we're sheep and we wander off. And a lot of times we don't even realize we're lost and how far we've gone until we're face to face with the enemy. Until you find yourself in a pit of despair and you wonder, how did I get here? How do I get out of here? What do I do next? How beautiful it is to hear the call of the loving shepherd while in the midst of that despair come home it's going to be okay hey Tim I'm looking for you I want you to come home I want to take care of you I want to ease that burden I want to protect you from the wolf I want to take you out of that despair come home come back home The Savior stands at the door knocking and calling, and we have to decide what will our answer be. Will we answer the call, repenting of our sins, confessing that Jesus is God's Son, and allowing someone to baptize you to wash away your sins if that's what your need is tonight? Maybe you are the sheep in the pit, and you haven't heard that the Savior calling for you, calling to help you out. Maybe tonight is the night that we answer that call. Maybe you need prayers of the congregation. Maybe you need to confess sin. He's calling for you. Come home. Come home. Sometimes when when we give the Lord's invitation, uh, I I end up mistaking, uh, uh, falling into the mistake of believing that there's, it's only for those who either need to be baptized or, or respond publicly. But you may need to make a very private response tonight to the call of Jesus, to listen better, to to follow more closely, to be bold and courageous like Samuel. Maybe that's the response that we need to make tonight. Or maybe this is going to be another call that gets declined. 
like Agrippa, almost persuaded, like, like Felix, oh, there's going to be a better time for that call. So we'll just, we'll just wait for some time else. The Savior is knocking. The Savior is calling. What's your answer going to be tonight? If we can help you anyway, we invite you to come as we stand and sing. to sing a song if you will stand with me um, we're going to sing a song for the Lord's Supper uh, this song is taking you the the Via Dolorosa has long since passed and the cross is in the ground and he is hanging there and we are the onlookers singing about what we see see
as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, um, I was at <clears throat> down to the lectureship at Carnes and heard some excellent remarks, some of which I thought related to the Lord's Supper. I can't recall all of those thoughts, and I'll probably use these thoughts another time. But um, again, just in our the little Bible that uh, World Bible School has, there are some thoughts here about what is the Lord's Supper. One thought here is a time for thinking about Christ's crucifixion. And uh, I guess I can sort of share with you some thoughts there. Of course, we think about Jesus on the cross, and we think about the things he, he saw while he was on the cross. And I don't know all about that. And, and, and what he heard, again, don't know all about that either. But uh, some things are recorded in, in the scriptures about that. I, this person also expressed the idea of what did he smell? What did he taste? I mean, you make draw some conclusions about those kinds of things. But that's some things to think about. Uh, again, uh, I think I, I noticed in John, in the 18th, 18th chapter, in verse 18, verse 25, we have some references about Peter there, <clears throat> about the time he was going to deny Jesus. And we find there it's very cold, and it's mentioned more than once. So was it cold? How cold was it on the day that Jesus died? I don't know. But uh, let's just sort of think about those things for those of you partaking the Lord's Supper. Let's, let's bow. Father, we're indeed grateful that we have the opportunities first day of the week to partake the Lord's Supper. Mindful of the fact that most of us have partaken of it this morning but certainly mindful also that some need to take it at nighttime. Some perhaps work, have conflicts in the morning. And grateful, Father, again, that we can, that they can partake of it this time. We're thankful, Father, for this bread, which represents the body of Jesus. <clears throat> Be with those that are partaking of it at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. ago uh, the fact that what did Jesus see certainly uh, Luke records in uh, 23rd chapter that it was dark from the 6th to the ninth hour according to the Jewish system of of, a, of, da of the day so roughly what 12 to 3 I suppose so I suppose he didn't see anything no one else did either during that time frame let's bow again Father we need mindful of and grateful for this fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of Jesus. 
again, uh, help us to reflect again on what Jesus went through in our behalf as they partake. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow again. Father, we're grateful that we have the means, and hopefully we have, to uh, help further the cause of Christ in a variety of ways. Certainly uh, grateful for those that can make contributions of a monetary nature and in a variety of ways also. And thank you, Father, for the opportunity to, to further the cause of Christ and in teaching and not only in this community but in various other places in the world and grateful for that and for the benevolence and efforts there uh, that we can give food out to people that have needs and thankful father for other opportunities that we have to serve help us to all be servants in in your kingdom in jesus name amen Let us bow. Our Heavenly Father, we, you have set aside this day that your children may come together to worship you, to sing and to pray, to edify one another, and to study your word. We pray that all that we've done here today would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Heavenly Father, we pray for the church all over the world. We are aware of chaos and violence and despair. We know that your will would be done. We pray earnestly that your love and your peace would quickly displace hatred and violence and sorrow. We ask that you please be with each of us as we depart, that we would go into this week as lights, that we may be helpful to other people. We ask that you watch over us, keep us safe, that you forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name, amen. You're dismissed. <clears throat>